Hey everybody, Saul Marquez with the Vive podcast series, and I'm so excited to introduce an amazing guest today. His name is Eric Decker. He's the Chief Information Security Officer for the Intermountain Healthcare with 22 years of experience in information technology. He's the Chairman for the Health Sector Coordinating Council Joint Cybersecurity Working Group a joint public-private partnership group tasked with protecting critical infrastructure as defined under the National Infrastructure Protection Plan. He is also the industry lead for the development of the Health Industry Cybersecurity Practices, also known as HICP publication, under the HHS 405D program, a thought leader in cybersecurity and healthcare. I'm privileged to have Eric here on the podcast. Welcome. Thanks, Saul. And it's not Eric Decker, the football player. It's the original Eric Decker, who's older (laughs) than the football player. So there you go. (laughs) Hey, hey, I appreciate the clarity. Folks, better know that. (laughs) So we've got a lot of interesting things happening here at at the conference. And one of the main things, you just stepped off the stage. Incredible talk on cybersecurity. Let's focus on that, shall we? Sure. Awesome. Sure, sure. So so maybe to to kick things off, let's let's kick it off with sort of a summary of what you talked about on stage. All right. Yeah. So it was a 50 shades of gray of cybersecurity in a digital health world, I think is the the title of it. You know, mostly what I focused on was the the components of critical infrastructure and and what that looks like at a national level, you know, for for healthcare. So uh, listeners may or may not know that there are 16 critical infrastructures outlined as part of our whole national infrastructure protection plan. I'm gonna, I'm gonna start throwing some acronyms Let's out here. It. So I, I apologize for the <laughs> for all of this. It's good, it's good. It's <laughs> so the NIP is the is the National Infrastructure Protection Plan. Came about in uh, about 2007 under a presidential directive originally. And, and the reason for this was these 16 uh, critical infrastructure essentially make up some of the national interests that we have. So it could be economic interests, safety interests, wellness, national security interests, uh, and so forth. Healthcare is one of them, finance, oil and gas, transportation, energy, water, you know, all these things that we absolutely rely on on a day-to-day basis. The, the interesting issue is most of those infrastructures, I think all of them, are actually run by private industry. So these are not national, you know, government-run industries. And so in order to assure that the, we have partnership and we have the interests of the nation at the forefront of this, that's where this whole critical infrastructure construct came from. It is essentially uh, recently added into law. There's a National Defense and Authorization Act. Actually, most people actually know that one from COVID because it was other things got enacted yeah. through through the NDAA. But that was uh, that was codified into law here recently in the last couple of years. Within that structure, there are working groups. So all all the various 16 infrastructures will will do this a little differently. But within healthcare, we have a working group, a cyber working group, and, and that is the, the group that I'm the chairman of. So it's an elected position, just got done rolled off of, of the board on that for the last three years. And then I have a two year stint ahead of me with a one year extension. If I do a good job, we'll see. <laughs> hey, you got elected. Yeah. Hey, well, you know. <laughs> they, have, they have confidence in you somehow. <laughs> Some, somewhere in there. And, and the group is, uh, is really it's 300 organizations and 700 plus members. So it's it's really a representation of the seven subsectors that make up healthcare and sort of like what we do about that. So the talk was really focused on how do we bring all this cyber scary stuff, you know, and, and think about this from a resiliency angle We've always thought about it from a data angle, confidentiality angle. 
but you know, really healthcare is we've, we've crossed the threshold. We are, we are now into a digital world and that means all of this runs on top of technology and that technology has got to be up in order yeah. for us to do it. So yeah. Yeah. Now, fascinating. And and so today we, we have so many issues uh, that the health systems are faced with. What would you say is the number one trend or or thing that, that leaders need to keep in mind as they, as they consider cybersecurity? Sure. <laughs> There's so many things to think about. But, uh, you know, ultimately, at, at the end of the day, it's about risk. You know, so we there's a million ways that things can go wrong. You know, you can't chase every single one of those million things because you never have enough resources. Even if you had a blank check, you'd never have enough resources to do it. We would actually bring the organizations to a screaming halt if we tried, you know, because it's just, there's too many places, you know, for things to change. So it's, it's about understanding, you know, where, what is the most prominent vector in and how does that happen? And so we, you know, thinking about it from an adversarial perspective, you know, and that's kind of the climate we live in right now, especially with the geopolitical issues going on and, and some of the concerns of collateral damage of the conflict over in Russia and Ukraine. You know, so it's, a, it's about how do these adversaries actually get into your environments? What are the vectors in? You know, so I, I like to tell people, you know, focus on the threat and focus on the threat vector, how they, how they access. And then, you know, use that to understand your impacts, understand your, your controls and, and sort of build your, your defenses around it. There's prevention in here, of course, like that's the first thing everybody tries to think about is, you know, prevent, prevent, prevent. And it, it's great if you can do it. But I think, you know, at the end of the day, our, you know, detection and response is equally, if not more important, especially in healthcare, where, you know, we've got the data is everywhere. It has to be because that's how we work. You know, you need the information in order to care for people. And it's not the Coke secret formula that's locked behind a special thing that only two people know how to get into. It's hundreds of people are actually behind every encounter, you know, that's involved that, that you have with your with your position. So, yeah, so it's about, you know, we have a, a, a challenging dynamic, you know, to sort of, you know, deal with that. And, and the, the answer can't be lock it, lock it down, lock it down, lock it down, lock it down. You know, that's not the modern world. We detection, knowing where things go bump, things things are anomalous, you know, investigations, all of that, and then responding quickly and evicting, you know, bad actors from your environment. Like that's the name of the game. And that's that's where the extra investment and and, and focus should be. I love it. Now what what well said, well said, Eric. And and you know, we've been talking a lot at the conference about AI, machine learning. What role do, do these technologies play in in the strategies that you just talked about? Yeah, I, I mean, they. So there's there's a lot of this that's still fresh and new, in in the AI ML world. But you know, there's there's good platforms that are out there that take this in. I mean, so it's a big data problem at the end of the day. That's that's what we're faced with. There's tons of information, tons of noise in the system, and when we're trying to find signals in that noise, and that and it's not just simple little you know, algorithmic yes, no kind of, you know, things that happen, you know, if you see this type of event and that particular thing happens, then that equals bad. Like it, that's not how it's it not works. That easy. So, you know, AIML helps you distinguish patterns and distinguish, you can do things like normalize behaviors of individuals and understand how they normally access your environments. And if things change, that should be anomalous. But every person, you and I are going to access the environment in a different way. So how do you actually profile that? I mean, that is, 
that's an AI problem. You know, that, that's, that can be solved for. You know, malware and how that's used. I mean, it's all based on, you know, uh, behaviors, the outcomes that, that programs run. And when they, you know, rather than trying to get to the source of if it uses this particular file or that particular thing, you know, it's more about like, well, is it, is it opening up a whole bunch of files on a network server in a very short period of time? It's, is it, it's kind of more heuristic based. It's more, you know, focused on the, the outcomes of how the, the programs are working. And if it seems anomalous, then that can be something that is of interest. And so again, that's another place where AI and ML help, you know, because it's kind of self-tuning and learning and so forth. But, you know, I still think we're in the early phases of, of AI and ML, like solving all these problems. I mean, there's, there's a lot that still has to be done. Uh, I think our profession is also changing. You know, we grew up as infrastructure folks at the, you know, I mean, it's really not even an old discipline and it feels like we're talking like 15 years ago and it's that's moving fast. Yeah, <laughs> like 15 years is a, is it a lifetime in, <laughs> in, in, in digital world, although it's not that long. I know, but it feels that way though. Yeah. And, and so, you know, our skill set is different now, you know, I mean, cloud has, has totally changed all of that. You know, the, the developer skill set, the analytics-driven skill set—that is the the future of of cyber um, and how it all connects. And so, you know, us us old like infrastructure geeks that like our hardware—you know—that's kind of Gotta coming adapt. a thing of the past. Gotta adapt. <laughs> it's very true. Eric, one of the things you mentioned is is this idea of cyber safety, right? So, so this is this is sort of part of the evolution, right? And so, can you can you speak to it? What what is exactly? does it mean? Yeah. So this is something that's been coined out of the 405D program, which is a part of that critical infrastructure group that I mentioned. You know, we're really focusing in on cyber safety is patient safety. Think of it as like cyber hygiene or hygiene in general, yeah. doing the basics, the blocking and tackling, the, the components of what make up the bare minimum of what you should be doing in, in this space directly impacts patient safety because like I was going with before you know we've we've seen we've all heard about the ransomware attacks we've all seen the outcomes of those you know the ransomware attacks that bring down a system for four to six weeks or two months or longer those patients I mean there's there's a emergency care issues that get it that you have to deal with right out of the gate there's acute care issues that you have to deal with and then there's even long-term impacts associated with that so that this whole thing turns into delay of care and if some of these patients, you know, they may or may not be able to get that care from another place, depending on what's going on. So, I mean, you can t talk about like trauma centers, if that gets shut down, you know, and you have a trauma case that comes in, that can have consequences. Oh yeah, catastrophic. You have aggressive cancer and you're supposed to get, you know, chemotherapy treatments and you can't, you know, and that gets delayed because the systems are offline and those, that's patient safety. And when we say cyber safety, we're talking about the resiliency of those systems and making sure that they're up and, and if they're not up, that we have contingency plans in place so that we know what to do with, do about it, um, to care for them. Still. That, that's really great, and and, it, and it's great to know that that this type of work is being done. That it, it's it's no longer an assumption. Like, okay, I, we have to have operating mechanisms, a hygiene, so yeah. to speak. Yeah. That we we're doing things consistently yeah. to take care of these things. Now that's really great, Eric. And and so. As you reflect on on sort of where where things are going, what would you say is the one area where where folks need to spend time to get the best outcomes and best ROI? Sure. So I'm I'm actually going to give you two if you don't mind. Okay. Yeah. Let's hear two. <laughs> so the the first thing is think about the adversaries and and how they do what they do. 
you know, it's well known that CISA, the, the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, it's in within the Department of Homeland Security. They produce a, lots of really good advisories on how threat actors are actually breaking into environments. And I think people should pay a lot of attention to that. Do you think folks know about the that, outputs? No, I, I think that it's still being, it's still, it's still a fairly new agency. I want to say it's, if I get this wrong, I'll be wrong. I'll, somebody's going <laughs> to flog me. It's like three to four years old, okay. maybe five. So folks are still learning what they do in their, in their role in this, in the whole critical infrastructure pool. But, you know, they have, they've got a lot of services that, that, that you can produce uh, or that you can consume. I'm sorry. Yeah. But anyway, so some of their advisories, like they talk about the ways that the attacks get in, you know, from phishing, of course, that we've all known about for a million years. Yep. To very specific vulnerabilities that known bad actors are exploiting. You know, there's vulnerabilities out the wazoo. But that kind of intel is incredibly important to know if like those are the ones that are being exploited, then those are the ones you should start with, you know, totally. that start fixing. To like, I'm going to get a little technical here, like using RDP, you know, the, there's all this, there's still a lot of direct RDP access. And that is a very happy way that adversaries are, are breaking in and using those, those, those avenues. So, you know, protect yourself against that, against the known threat actions and the tactics and techniques that they use. And, and by the way, Eric and folks, you're listening to this. I want to make sure that we take this opportunity to plug this resource. If you look in the show notes of today's podcast, you'll see a, a link to CISA. They, yep. there, there's a, a site yep. they could go to. And, That's right. And so, Eric, you'll get that to us Absolutely. so we can share it yeah. with everyone. Okay. In great. fact, they even have free resources for healthcare so that, that our taxpayer dollars pay for. You can do pen tests, you can do risk assessments, vulnerability scans, they'll fish you, they'll run tabletop exercises, all of this is free. Awesome. And things that people should absolutely use in this cash strip world that we live in, you know, so. Totally, well thank you for that, and, yeah. and folks, make sure you take advantage of that. Uh, don't just listen, learn something and act on it. Absolutely. <laughs> That'd be the best. All right, go ahead, Eric, Yeah. So the, part the, two. The second thing, part two, is we are highly connected in a, connected with our supply chain. And, you know, especially as we were at a digital health conference and we we think about like, well, what is digital and sort of how does this sort of make itself up? And there's a heavy cloud component to digital. My my point about resiliency is we, we have to be doubling down on our business continuity and disaster recovery programs. We have to understand to a level of detail on the, the workflows that flow over top of our digital environments those absolute most mission critical things. So w when you think about a health system and what do we do, you know, so you, you come in, you get seen by a doctor, you get a bunch of tests run, they diagnose you, there's a treatment plan that gets put into place and then you get put into a treatment plan and, and you go forward, right? Yep. So that part of that care, the diagnostics, you know, pieces of that, what's involved? Imaging's involved, blood work is involved, labs are involved. Part of the treatment plan, what's involved? Drug medication dispension is involved. You know, all of this is the, the chain, you know, the, the life cycle of, of healthcare. If your labs are not working, your imaging is not working, or your drug dispension isn't there, suddenly, well, either you can't be diagnosed or you can't be treated. Right. The expertise is great. You'll always have the doctor, you know, and he or she will be able to help you sort of understand the situation, but maybe they will, won't be able to diagnose what the actual issue is because we need all of this ancillary, you know, support and, and help. So... What you need to understand inside your organizations, what are those absolute most mission critical workflows and what's the, the, the high volume of that, when, where the volume is so great that you can't do it in a paper form. You can't do it in a non-digital form. And those that we've identified, then it's about understanding the intersection between that workflow and the technology that's, that's residing underneath it. 
And now let's stop assuming that there's likelihood scenarios where these things won't go bump in the night. Let's just assume it's going to go bump in the night. Let's, let's take likelihood off the table and assume worst case scenario. Now what do you do? You know, and so that, that kind of resiliency, that kind of business continuity planning, and, and this, you can tackle this in a lot of different ways, right? So there's third parties that, you know, that we work with, and we might be completely reliant on that third party for running that, that mission critical function. So again, assume that they've gone bump in the night, assume that it's not available. How are we going to recover that? Is it, is it a non-prem hybrid kind of thing? Is it a, are they going to have another relationship with another third party that can pick it up? You know, we've got, for those mission critical pieces, we have to be able to build those plans in place. Can't do it for everything because that is way too big. It's, it's, there's so much technology that makes up healthcare, but it's a different mindset, you know, a different way of, of sort of thinking about the risk and the impacts of that. You just assume worst case and then you peel it back from there and then, you know, you can build in your, your resiliency into the mix. You know, I love this, Eric. And, and it's this, this idea, frankly, I've never even run the parallel it's just like a supply chain organization that needs parts and pieces. Yep. You need to have a backup supplier for this and that. It's the same thing for, for healthcare. Oh, I mean, we're seeing it right now with COVID and all the supply chain issues. You know, chip, chips are it's affecting um, everyone. Can't, the chip manufacturing processes are, are terrible. And so, or they're, they're bad right now, right? The volume, <laughs> I shouldn't say terrible. The volumes are bad. The, the shipping of those chips is bad, you know, the, and it's impacting everything, you know, from componentry of, uh, household appliances and all these kinds of things, you know, to the, the very chips that we use in our, in our healthcare systems. So it is, when we say we're super eco, we're, we're super connected into an ecosystem and that's what we mean. Yeah. You, I mean, you can even take this to the, we're talking about that's like digital health, digital technology, sort of using that as part of the supporting the workflow. But this also goes back to the, the physical side of the, of the house too. So your syringes, your, your masks, your gloves, your, your laundry, you know, I mean, think you gotta, you gotta change the sheets. You gotta, yeah. you know, you gotta wash the sheets before you put another patient in that bed after you turn it over. And if the ordering systems for all of that stuff is unavailable because it's all run digitally, then what's your inventory? What's your supply? How long can you last? Can you last four to six, eight weeks, you know, without that? Probably not. So what's your fallback plan? You know, if, if that stuff ha happens, I mean, that's kind of the thinking that we now have to start embarking on in this world. Love it. Eric, you, you've left us with a lot of really great things to, to consider. And so I did want to ask you, you know, with COVID, obviously the entry point to healthcare has evolved. So care in the home is more real than ever. With that come wearables, devices, remote patient monitoring. What, what are some considerations that, that folks need to be thinking about as they implement and scale these efforts? Yeah, and that's also a complicated relationship between the healthcare delivery organizations, the medical device manufacturers, and the patient because there's it's a three-legged stool. So you get an implantable, the HDO might implant it, but the maintenance of that might not be done by the HDO, it might be done by the manufacturer. I think there's an awareness piece to this, which is especially as we talk about wearables that are using connectivity, you know, sort of the traditional networking and connectivity kind of things. The patient needs to be a good advocate for themselves on sort of what's happening. You know, if you if you get one of these, then I would just be asking. I mean, if I got ever got one of these, I would be asking these questions like, OK, when issues happen, what am I supposed to be doing? If there's a recall, what do I do? If there's 
you know, I read about a scary story, you know, who am I contacting, you know, to, to figure out, like, do I have to do something, you know, for my own well-being? And so I think that piece is, is important and critical. Uh, I think that the, again, the MDMs and the, and the hospital organizations, I mean, we have our own obligations of notifying, you know, and, and putting surveillance. And what I mean by surveillance is like just monitoring the state of the situation or the state of the situation of cyber around these devices. And if there's, if there is a recall that needs to happen, then we need to, you know, take care of that and do the outreach and, and work with the patients as well. But, you know, I mean, it's really, it's a, that's the part of the hyperconnectivity of our world, you know, and and so there, it's going to be there. We you need to know what the potential implications are of if uh, connectivity is is non-functional or if the device is being, you know, is it possible for a device to be acting in a in a non-conforming way? You know, understanding all of that sort of upfront would be good, you know, for making your decisions. Yeah, no, that's fair. Great, great call out. So I had to ask, it's sure. just a kind of where things are going. So yeah, and, and on people's minds. I'll say, I mean, there was, you know, what was it? The Homeland. Have you ever watched the show, the TV show Homeland? Yeah, I have. You, okay. So the second, <laughs> sorry if anybody, spoiler alert. Uh, the second season, I think, is when they had the, they, they tried to make an assassination plot on the yes, vice president yes. yeah, because, because of a pacemaker that, that they had. So you hear these like horror stories of that kind of stuff happening. I've never heard of it actually taking place. I've seen proof of concepts, you know, where you can take an insulin pump and force it to pump out in a far greater rate than it's supposed to be able to do. But again, nothing, nothing actually occurring. So it's, it's scary and it's something that we need to be aware of. I think the more likely scenario where patient safety comes into play is the unavailability of the systems and devices that we are seeing over and over and over again. So it's, yeah, I mean, it's never take your eye off the ball because this stuff changes all the time. But, you know, that's the immediate that the sort of the unavailability of the systems and digital systems is the is really, truly the immediate piece. That's the biggest threat. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. Eric. Thank you. We could we could talk about this for sure. hours, and I'm sure, folks, you're enjoying this just as much as I am. But we're here to the end. So, what what would you leave us with, Eric? You know, what what's the call to action we need to be thinking about? And for anybody that wants to follow you and your work, what's the best way for them to to do that? Yeah. So, there's a, a couple of things. Uh, one, the 405D program is a Health and Human Services uh, co-led program. So, I'm the industry lead for it. I've got a counterpart at HHS. We built the, the HICP document. We call it Hiccup. So it's a good medical term. Nice. Uh, <laughs> sticky. You know, hiccup. Oh, yeah. yeah, for sure. So if you go to 405D.HHS.gov, you'll find all of that. You'll find the resources. That resource, that publication, Hiccup, is now modified HIPAA and high tech. And so if you've oh, nice. implemented that, Cool. OCR as part of a enforcement actions, if you do get compromised, they have to consider the, the use of your adoption of Hiccup in their enforcement actions. So that's a, honestly, it's a great incentive to just go there and do it, do it, you know, and, and then demonstrate that you can do it because it's, it's kind of a a little like relief. I'm, I'm using the word relief. Our federal government doesn't use that yet, but that's fair. So, so that's one thing. The second thing is, uh, if you go to, and I'm sure we can put all this in the show notes. Oh yeah. Everything will be there folks. So don't worry. Healthsectorcouncil.org is the joint cyber working group. So 405D is one of 15. There's a whole bunch of other working groups that we're doing. If you are a practitioner in healthcare, you're on the delivery side or, or plan or pharma, you have an open invitation to join us and start, nice. you know, roll up your sleeves and, and try to work through some of the challenges. If you've got a particular cyber thing that you're 
you really are passionate about and you want to see movement on, there's probably activity occurring and you, you can join us and you can get, you know, do some good for the world. That's um, outstanding. And, and give back. So I would definitely suggest people get involved in, in the, both of those. Well, Eric, thank you. And folks, again, as a reminder, you will see all of the links that uh, Eric shared with us in the show notes. So make sure you click on them, figure out ways that you could contribute and ways that you could add value to your organization. Eric, this has been amazing. I want to thank you again for, for spending time with us. You bet. Thanks all.